You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Welcome back, listeners, to Breaking the Silence. We are so pleased to have with us today Sathya Sam. And let me go ahead and read to you all a little bit about him. He is a coach and speaker that helps men live with confidence and integrity, a recovered addict himself. Sathya is the creator of Deep Clean, a research-based and Bible-backed system for overcoming porn addiction. Deep Clean has helped everyone from college students to medical doctors regain control of their lives and walk in greater levels of freedom. He is married to his lovely wife, Shaloma, and based out of Toronto, Canada. And the topic of conversation today that we want to discuss with him is based off of a quote that he has. And the quote goes, while most tackle porn recovery with behavioral solutions, Both scripture and science show that true recovery must address the underlying issues of the heart. So we're going to be talking about that today, and we are so pleased to have him. Thank you, Sophia, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Creed. This is a pleasure to be here. This is so great. And we're so excited to hear a little bit about your program and your podcast and all of these incredible resources that you have created to help people and men in particular to overcome pornography. But can you help me understand what helped you get to where you are right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody sets out in their life to become a porn addiction recovery coach. It's usually not the answer you get when you ask a kid what he wants to be when he grows up. Uh, for me personally, I want to be a pizza delivery boy, so I set the bar <laughs> nice. pretty high. Um, but, you know, I I think uh, most people, I'm like most guys, unfortunately, in this day and age, I had an experience with pornography. So I grew up in a pastor's home. I'm technically a fourth generation pastor, so the lineage runs pretty deep. And went to a Christian school. I I really had everything in my favor to make good decisions in life and not fall into this kind of stuff. But I got exposed to porn in the computer lab of my Christian school. And this is like 20 years ago we're talking. So it just goes to show you how easily you can stumble upon this stuff, even if you're in a great environment and have those kinds of things working for you. Um, Anyone who's had a struggle with porn knows that the first time is very rarely the last. And that was my experience as well. I I got into pretty regular consumption in high school. And by the time I was in university, I would say that's where I was addicted. I I really needed it. And it was twofold. I I worked really hard in university. You know, I was a high achieving student, like a good Indian kid. Chriselle, you and I were talking about Indian food beforehand. Um, It's definitely baked into my upbringing as well. And it was twofold. You know, porn was a, a medicine to kind of cope with the pressures of life and the stress that came pursuing an education. And it was also a reward for the hard work and something to kind of just give a, a release at the end of a busy day. And I always told myself I'd stop whenever I needed to. And when that time really came, you know, when I realized like, okay, this has to give, that was very faith driven. You know, I really committed my life to Jesus while I was pursuing my degree and I just couldn't get free, you know, and I I tried everything in the book and I followed all the advice that people were giving out there 
And that's when I realized like this is a problem and there's not a lot of resources out there to help guys. So I just kind of purposed in my heart that one day I would get free and then I would do everything in my power to help as many other people get free as possible. And that's kind of what's brought me here today. I've been free for five and a half years now. I did wait a couple years to make sure that it was free for real. And once I felt a, a release in my heart to, to do it and, and after praying it through quite thoroughly as well, I felt like it was time to launch Deep Clean. And that was just under three years ago. That's so awesome. Way to go. Way to Thank go. You. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love hearing people's stories. And I especially love hearing about people who, like you, who have these experiences and then create something to help other people. Yeah, I mean, I think the nature of porn addiction is it doesn't really matter how well educated you are on the subject. It's just different when you've gone through it and you have the experience. I think it really shines in how you connect with other people and ultimately the help you're able to extend to them. So I'm very grateful that, you know, I have that science background and I understand the the neurology and some of the factors that that go into it. But I think having that experience is actually a huge advantage, even though it was a terrible part of my life for a long time. I'm grateful. And, you know, God, God uses those things for good. Totally. Yeah. And so with your experience and your helping of many men, what do you feel like are the underlying issues then of pornography use? Yeah, it's a great question. And let me just kind of preface it a little bit. I think the the human tendency is always to gravitate towards external solutions. So it's like, oh, I'm not in good shape. So you buy a gym pass or you buy a set of dumbbells or you go to Whole Foods and you buy, you know, clean organic food. We, we naturally gravitate towards external solutions. So with porn recovery, it's basically the same. You know, people install internet filters. They find accountability partners, usually, which is just someone they text after they messed up and then wonder why they can't get free. But the nature of something like porn addiction is that what actually drives the addiction in the first place is much more important than the addiction itself. The way I kind of frame it is that all behavior is rooted in belief. And if you try to tackle behavioral issues with behavioral solutions alone, you will end up trying to modify behavior instead of transforming the heart. And the gospel and both scientific research are showing that it's only solutions that tackle things at a heart level where you actually see any kind of long-term change. So if you tackle the, the internal aspects that are contributing to somebody's struggle, the behavior naturally takes care of itself. That is clear in the gospel and it's clear in research as well. The, the porn addiction research is quite limited, to be honest, but it's certainly evident in the research around alcohol addiction, drug addiction, um, and some of the more behavioral addictions like gambling or video games. So uh, I think it's important to just note that we, we do settle for behavioral solutions. I know that because I did it firsthand. You know, I was all over the internet filters and everything else, and I'm not against them. I just think they're good starting points. They're not complete solutions in of themselves. What I have found is three particular areas that really address the underpinning issues of a porn addiction. The first is a lack of what I call emotional fitness. Chriselle, as you mentioned, I work primarily with men. Unfortunately, we do not get taught how to deal with our emotional life. So usually guys um, can fake it or they can you know, get by until adulthood. They get into serious relationships or you know, just the cares that come with life and then they don't know how to cope. They don't have those processes developed. So I think developing emotional fitness is a huge part of it. The second thing is recovering from wounds of the past. And to oversimplify this a little bit, porn is fake intimacy. F porn is, or, or it's fast food intimacy. You know, it temporarily satisfies the, that need, but ultimately it doesn't get it met properly. 
And usually we, we choose how to get our needs met based on childhood experiences, good or bad. And so a lot of recovering from wounds of the past is sort of healing where you've been hurt, healing where maybe your parents came up short or other caregivers or whatever it might be, and then learning to find healthier ways to get those same needs met. The needs aren't going anywhere. So it's really just our responsibility to find better ways to get them met. And the last thing is identity formation. And that really is learning to accept yourself, to understand that you were chosen, uh, you were bought with a price, and that there's nothing you can do to earn God's love or to earn your value. It's already been established. And starting to walk out in that is really, it's the final layer of it. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, all behavior is rooted in belief. So if you look at porn and you believe that you're a pervert as a result, then you will continue to watch porn by faith. Because what else would a pervert do? But if you understand your true value and your true worth, eventually, you know, as you build the emotional fitness, as you recover from wounds of the past, then you naturally start to behave out of that set of beliefs that are true, true about who you are and true about your worth. Oh my goodness, I love this so much, Cynthia. (laughs) This is like, I love this because one of my favorite quotes that I like come back to all the time and I have like a couple different like versions of it and this is me paraphrasing it, is that true principles or true doctrine or true understanding of who you really are and who God really is changes attitudes and behavior quicker than the study of behavior changes behavior. And I think about that all the time because so often in our lives, we're like, oh man, I want to change this about myself. I want to change this about myself. And you just focus on the behavior and we forget God and we forget who we are and we forget, we forget all of this other, all of these other things that are driving the behavior. And I'm so glad you brought up these wounds of the past as well as this emotional fitness, because that's so robust that's such a robust way of looking at this that truly like creates an environment of true change and Mm -hmm. repentance and like freedom. Like you're talking about, love that. Thank you. Yeah. That's, I think that's it. You know, it, it's a lot harder. Like admittedly, it takes a lot more work to transform the heart, but it's a very small price to pay in the long run. Um, You know, like when you really break down what porn addiction affects in someone's life, their self-esteem, their meaningful relationships, their spiritual connection with God. Yeah, it it takes time and some hard work, but it's, it's worth it. It really is. And I totally agree on your three points. I mean, for me personally, I'm just finally catching up on my emotional literacy, emotional yeah. fitness. I'm, I've been reading for the past few years all about emotions, and it's taken a lot of time to learn all that. I just so wish that just in our culture in America, even in the Christian culture, that we focus a little bit more about allowing men to express and feel and understand their emotions so that they could, you know, understand themselves where they're coming from and not then go for, you know, these, it's this fast food intimacy and other behaviors that we don't want to have in our lives. So that's a big one. And the other two for sure as well. So what have been some ways where we can address these? I mean, I don't know how you want to tackle that maybe one by one or just in general. Yeah, that's a bit of a loaded question. Um, Well, why don't we focus on one area. Is that okay, Creed? Perfect. So um, the area that I spend the most time by far is the emotional fitness, the emotional literacy component. So let me just explain what I mean by emotional fitness. In most arenas of our life, physical, financial, and emotional for sure, you can either pursue health or you can pursue fitness. So I recently got an operation on my knee. I tore my ACL playing basketball. 
And for that time where I'm recovering, I'm still a relatively healthy individual. I'm eating well. Um, I'm doing everything I can to, re to rehab my knee, but I don't have any kind of fitness. Like if I have to race somebody, I'm done because I can't actually put my weight on my knee while I recover. I'm healthy, but I'm not fit. So it's one thing to kind of build your vocabulary around emotions. It's one thing to kind of be aware of what's going on. But emotional fitness is, um, in this context, is a guy's ability to be in uh, stress, be in a trial, be in a difficult season, and go through a challenging day or a tough day and still make a good decision. Because he has that emotional awareness, he knows how to respond, and he is apt to respond to the conditions. He, he doesn't give in to them or, or excuse himself because it's a hard day. That's sort of what emotional fitness looks like. It takes time to get there. It doesn't happen overnight, just like fitness in any other arena of life. But what I found to be particularly helpful is journaling. And I have my own method for journaling. It's very simple, it costs less than five bucks. You can go buy a cheap notebook from the dollar store and it really takes less than 10 minutes. But what it is, is it's about five minutes of expressing and five minutes of reflecting. So the goal of the reflection part is to label your emotions and define your thoughts. And there's lots of tools out there. We have one in our community called the Feel Wheel. Uh, you can get it online, but it's just a little, it's a, a little wheel, you know, that kind of gives you some vocabulary to work with to pinpoint those emotions. That's the, the expression part. And I think most people can understand that. You know, you get a journal, you write out kind of what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're going through. And for most people, that's where they stop. But the real meat of it is actually in the reflecting part. And that's where you put the pen down, like literally let go of the pen, let your mind rest for a minute, and then just listen in. And these are some of the best places where you hear the still small voice of God. And he responds, you know, and as he responds, you start to gain perspective. You start to get wisdom and insight. You start to think of things differently than how you thought originally. And that is where real transformation takes place at an inner level. It, it is not just that we kind of fault our way through a couple tools and resources, but it's that we actually invite God into the process, even into the nitty gritty, like the ugly parts of our journal where we're venting and raving and fuming about the cares of life. It's giving God a chance to be there as well and, and to redirect us, to guide us along the way. And one of the clients I'm working with right now, you know, like just the, the kindest, hardest man you'll ever meet in your life. He's so sweet. And we were going through journaling just this week, actually. And so in his expression time, he had just written, you know, just about some of the stuff he was processing. He's going through a bit of a tough situation in one of his relationships. And in the reflection part, he just heard God say, I'm proud of you. And I, I'm watching him as he's writing it, you know, before he's even told me what he said, and tears are coming down his face because he's just, he's vented everything. He's pretty much as raw and vulnerable as he can be. And he's getting that unconditional, loving, caring voice back in response. And this is such a good way to develop that healthy emotional life. It's not just that you're expressing it, but you're actually getting that affirmation in return that provides sort of the safety and the encouragement to make that a regular part of your life. So to get granular, that's kind of what it looks like to develop that emotional fitness part. I really love that. And thank you so much for that very real example. I What I love most about that example is often I think in the world we like to segregate our life, like our emotional health from our physical health and our spiritual health and all that, but they're yeah. so connected. And I love that the tool that you just ex like explained to us is so connected with 
our spirituality and our relationship with God by giving that space to to really check in with our emotions and like lay it on the altar of God. Yeah. And that's so, so, so beautiful. And and I I just also I'm like totally fascinated with this idea of health versus fitness. I love that. That is, I, I, I think it's so much more proactive even to, to step into that. I want to be emotionally fit. I want to be spiritually fit. I want yeah. to be uh, mentally fit, right? Like this idea of what would it take for me to be fit? That's, that's really, really a good insight. I, I love that. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think it's super important, you know, because even the standards of the Bible, like the, like God sets the bar pretty high, right? And I think I think sometimes like, yeah, it's way up there, right? So I think sometimes um, sometimes the definition of health, at least for me, it just didn't feel like it was cutting it. And I really like that idea of being fit and really being intentional. And the reality is you only know how fit you are amidst trial. Like when things are going your way, it, it doesn't really say much that you're making good decisions. It says something like it's not to take away from it at, by any means. But it's really tested the most when you go through difficulties and hardships. And that's that's what I'm the most interested in. Like when I have clients who come in, uh, a lot of them, you know, they ride the highs of sort of joining the program. And right off the bat, they have a lot of early success. I'm all for that. But I usually wait until they do encounter a tough time because I feel like that's when you're really cultivated. You know, that's when you really form your identity and you get those chances to build that fitness. So, um, yeah, for me, it's it's huge. It's really, really important. I love this idea of what would it take for me to develop fitness in, in every aspect of my life? Yeah. Yeah. If I can just add one more thing, I think yeah. a lot of, a lot of people, especially when you're young, you're not married. A lot of people believe the lie that marriage will just fix your problems. Um, when the reality is that marriage is a magnifier. And so, you know, a lot of guys think like, oh, well, it's tough now because I'm not having sex. But of course, once I get married, then it's all good. And we all know that's just not how it works. Once you get married, it's it's that much work to really preserve some of those standards and some of those things that you want for your life. And so I think that's another part of it is like we, we forget that marriage is not all daisies and roses. It's pretty nice early on, but eventually you're going to hit some snags. The sooner that you are kind of training yourself to respond to those in a healthy way, the better. Beautiful. Sadia, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and the incredible things that you've shared uh, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I, I would leave them with this. Uh, this is one of my personal favorite quotes. Um, a mistake made once is a mistake. A mistake made twice is a choice. And one of the, the starting points for anybody who's just looking for a little bit more freedom or you're looking for a massive overhaul and a, a long-term recovery is you got to take some ownership. Just take some responsibility for what you can control and then act on it. And God honors those acts. You know, like James says, faith without works is dead. And there is something that happens when we just take steps towards it. And I, that's my biggest encouragement to your audience is just start. Start somewhere and you'll be amazed at what God does with it. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And listeners, we want to make sure you know where to find Sadia because he is so full of wisdom and just, oh, he can help all of us on our journey in this beautiful life. So, Thea, where can our listeners find you? So, um, I do have a podcast called The New Man Podcast. Uh, you can find out about that on my website or it's on any major platforms. 
Uh, I also have a, a guide for your listeners. It's just a small ebook, but it's got my five best practices for anybody who, do, who does want to recover from pornography. And you can get that at ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Awesome. We will link those things in the show notes as well. Perfect. Sophia, thank you so much for this incredible, incredible 20 minutes. I wish we had way longer. I wish we could just <laughs> chat all night because I, you've really opened up my mind to even next steps I can take in my life to, to come closer to God and to increase my fitness in every, in every way. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I think you guys are doing an incredible thing as well. So this is fun getting to know each other a little bit. And uh, I hope we can stay in touch and keep supporting each other. Yeah. Thanks, Sophia. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals, and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.